Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by... Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. As that demand keeps increasing, we want to fill that 1.5K branch void. Uh, and we want to be able to seize that demand. So if we're able to you know, open organically and keep closing these accretive deals, then I think we will be in a very good position to have 400 to 500 branches by 2025. Welcome to Hustle Share. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. I owe this guy a massive apology because we have rescheduled a shit ton of times. But finally, we are here and we're coming clean. Because again... They have literally just launched and, uh, you know, took over your labada in the Philippines. They're raising, raising $900,000 to take care of your labada in the Philippines. And easily one of the most impressive companies that we probably haven't heard of yet until now. So let's welcome their COO, Ignacio Belan. Of Weekly Philippines, Ignacio. Thank you so much, and welcome to Hustle Share. Thanks for having me, Ron. (laughs) Apologies for the the, a lot of the Christmas rush that had to happen. We're finally here, and I have a lot of labada um, that I I, I'd love to. Is it labada also in Spanish, or is it labada? It's uh, lavanderia. Almost Lavanderia. very close, very similar. Okay, yeah, here it's uh, Lavada, <laughs> and we all know what it is. It's dirty, dirty clothes. And again, again, we're we're very happy to have you. And it's been a while, but again, nine hundred thousand dollars to take care of Filipino laundry. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question, Ignacio. What's your hustle? So yeah, I mean, th- thanks for the great introduction, Ron. 
Our hustle is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it in simple terms. Um, you know, there was a, a CEO of WeClean. Uh, we're a fully integrated uh, laundry business. We run and operate both self-service and full-service laundromats. Uh, and our goal is very simple, right? We just want to become the biggest laundry player in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, once we once we accomplish that, maybe branch out in, into other, um, you know, countries in the region. So our hustle is, you know, we look at deals. Um, we try buying, uh, you know, profitable uh, laundromats at low multiples. And then we also are, are now opening branches organically. So we, we're both acquiring and opening branches. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've grown like crazy over the past year. We started uh, with seven branches. Uh, we will be closing the year with 63. Um, what? So yeah, we've, we've grown pretty quickly. We've seized the moment. and uh, A lot know, of we, dirty clothes out there. <laughs> there. A lot of dirty clothes. COVID or no COVID, people still have to uh, wash their clothes. So that's yep. that's where we come in, you know, and that's where we, we come in offer uh, an essential service. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, exci- exciting times ahead. And again, shout out to to your friends also who recommended you highly. We should have some of those guys, and we're all doing well. So again, shout out to the guy that has been fully adamant in getting you here, Carlos Otermin of obviously of Lazada and Buco Ventures. But again, you have friends also in this 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 group that have done amazing jobs. So again, we start with Andrew, um, who's done again uh, good work. Who's then aside from Lazada, he's taking care of making sure that we have great and clean houses. And of course, your other friend uh, as well, who's of course from Flower Store. Uh, yeah. Make sure that we have fragrant, fragrant uh, <laughs> houses. And of course, now you are talking about here. And before we 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 talk about why you guys are doing this, we need to uh, buckle up a little bit and sit back and relax because I need to understand where y'all came from and how you were made. Because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. All right, it's a little bumpy. Lots of laundry in the back. <laughs> All those use underwear. Yeah, washer cycle. Oh, it's my. Yeah. It's also my use underwear that I put in the back years of them. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken out. All right, but nice. again, Ignacio, I want to understand again. Um, you're obviously uh, Spanish, right? I, I want to understand what was growing up like in España, right? Where you know. Um, uh, entrepreneurship obviously is, is not foreign to you guys, but what what were you like growing up, and what were your early hustles that you had to make? Uh, it's a that's a great question. Um, so I would say my first hustle started in actually college. Um, so I grew up in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was born there, and then went to college in the states. And uh, my first hustle was actually uh, <clears throat> organizing parties for my friends. Whoa! Right? So, nice. uh, you know, very basic. Uh, a lot of fun and we made a bit of money on the side. So, we, and we grew that from, you know, throwing small parties at our apartment back in Boston to actually, you know, renting out full out nightclubs, flying out DJs from Europe, wow. uh, you know, organizing events for 300 plus people. So, so that was actually our first hustle. Uh, it wasn't that profitable. Margins were relatively tight, but it was a great, uh, you know, business to network. Mm-hmm. Uh, to grow my group of friends, and it mm-hmm. sort of gave me my first, you know, perspective into into what a business is like, what what it is, you know, the the, the feeling of of growing a business, uh, mm-hmm. the excitement, but also you know the, the sort of the, the, the tough components of running a business, you know, dealing with partners. We were six, yeah. Um, you know, internal fights. Everyone thinks they're right, uh, things like that. So I was right. actually nineteen when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually, you know, the business is still running. I'm still on the board, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not running it in, in, in any way, shape or form. So that was actually my first hustle that we did close to, um, hundred thousand dollars in revenue the first year, wow. which seemed like a lot of money, but, uh, but I guess now it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> not as big as, chump it, change as, now. as it used to <laughs> yeah. now it's uh, a right. chump change. That was my first hustle and, and going back. You know, I was, I think I was always very, um, you know, entrepreneurial, always liked business, was very interested in finance at an early age, try to read as much as I could, um, you know, spoke to family members and friends about the stock market. Uh, that was sort of my first, um, first thing that really interested, interested me about business. 
And then I, I sort of uh, really enjoyed the scaling up of a business, the running of a business. Right. Um, so yeah, that was that was my first, uh, you know, running this this events company in, in the states was my first uh, my first hustle. Okay, now there's one thing about nightlife that I'm very very particular because also that was my first business per se. I, I ran a nightlife app in the Philippines. I okay. did that for six years. It was the biggest nightlife app in Southeast Asia at that time. Nice. But so again, I can totally relate to to this hustle because there's something about nightlife that forges you to become a gritty person. Because number one, first off, um, it's a wild, wild west type of thing. There's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of janky performers, <laughs> a lot of shady people, and you kind of learn the tricks of the trade because you have to stand your own ground, or else you're gonna get fucked over, right? Yeah. And and then the most important thing is one thing that really stuck through me till now is giving people utmost best service. Yeah. You can't do nightlife uh, if you don't know how to make people feel good. And you have you can't right. make people uh, how to make um, you know how, how to give them a good time. What are the key right. things you learned in nightlife? I'm very curious because again, I can totally relate. Like, oh shit, I was nodding my head back and forth. We're saying, ah, man, I know your hustle because I went through yeah. that too, and it's never fun. And that's because at yeah. one point when you're doing nightlife, right, the fun goes away. Like it be- just becomes like work. Like, oh god, I'm wasted. I don't want to. I-, I-, I already know what the DJ is gonna play. I don't know already yeah. know who's gonna see there, and I don't care what flashy um, outfits the girls are gonna look. Uh, things it's just not fun anymore. <laughs> what yeah. was it like for you? I guess what I learned the most was uh, dealing with difficult personalities. That yes. was, you know, the club owners who think they're the kings of the world. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> business partners who also think they're the smartest. Um, yep. But I, I, I would really say that. And I also learned, um, you know, to sort of, to, you know, even if a bit, even if you're having fun running a business, at the end of the day, you have to run it for money, right? And it has to be scalable and, there has to be some sort of margin expansion down the line and the business has to improve over, overall. Right. And with sort of diverging points of view, uh, an industry where scaling a business is relatively hard, right. Cause you know, scaling a, a nightlife business is you go from throwing events for 300, 400 people to 5,000. Right. And just that jump alone and how much money you actually have to, you know, put down and raise to throw an event for say 3,000, 5,000 people is, is massive. And the, yep amount of things that can go wrong right you can get sued <laughs> uh, if something you know, goes wrong people uh, die you know, there can be people can die people can have accidents um so you know it was great network had fun uh learned uh, the ins and outs about business at an early age but you know it was not viable in the long term absolutely but it's again if, if i also had to look back i wouldn't trade it for anything because that freaking forced me to grow up Right. I, and again, that's uh, like, getting, getting, yeah, sure. yeah. And it, it feels like you're getting thrown to the wolves. And if you make it out, you can make it anywhere and make it yeah. anywhere you did. Just now after be, doing this nightlife thing, what was the, the next thing that you guys did that you did? Uh, after that, I uh, sort of uh, co-founded with my brother, you know, this small company in the, in the, in the States, uh, just as an investment vehicle invested in the markets. Uh, I was pretty lucky because I set it up right before the uh, shit hit the fan with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I was able to sort of uh, make a bit of money with that, but, uh, you know, decided to liquidate, uh, distribute the profits, and, and that was it. Uh, so that was my second hustle. Uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, um, during college, you know, you're investing here and there, reading a lot, 10 Qs, 10 Ks, uh, investor calls, uh, quarterly calls. Um, so that was a lot of fun I did with my brother. It was sort of a good bonding experience. Um, plus, we got to make a bit of money, so all the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that that was my second hustle. Not as definitely not as interesting as the first one, but still very very formative and, and sort of uh, you know forced me to take a sort of holistic view at, at businesses, look at everything, operations, finance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, accounting, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've used those those skills I've learned. And what I'm currently doing, right? Because I mean, we're buying laundromats. Buying laundromats is the same as buying right. any other business, right? Be yeah. it a private business, a public business that trades publicly, 
<laughs> the fundamentals are the same. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. And those fundamentals are what I want to zero in now. Because again, you can't just be an investor at, uh, at one point if you don't hone that skill and just buy because of hype or just because, oh, that looks, you know, the, those superficial facts. What are the things you look at back then before the laundromat business that you make you uh, more than, of course, the, the selling price and you know, being able to trade the, yeah. the right, uh, come in at the right price and exit at the right price? Um, what are the things you look for when you invest in a business that eventually came in handy when you're doing laundrom- the laundromat business? Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it, it all depends on what business you're investing in, right? Are you investing in growth, right, in, in a tech company? Where fundamentals really don't matter that much. It, it the only thing that matters is top line growth, user growth. Yeah. Or are you investing in a more traditional brick and mortar business where the only thing you care about is you know cash flows, margins, uh, you know what the financial ratio metrics look like. Right. Um, so I, I did a bit of both. I uh, had a bit more luck, you know, given with all the you know the what happened with COVID, the great sell off in March 2020. I had more luck with uh, distressed. More of distressed, we uh, a lot of retailers. Mm. Um, so n- n- not as fancy growth uh, stocks, but more brick and mortar. Right. So principles apply. The principles I applied back then uh, is what you know we're we're trying to apply uh, mm. now in, in the Philippines. What principles were those? So just so that we share, because as we dissect later with the laundry business, I want to see how you yen, how your mind ticks. Like, all right, okay, if they're, if they're in distress. It again might be opportunistic, but you can be that 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 person that actually saves the business, right? Um, right. What what are these um, principles you look at? Right. So if if you're looking at a distressed play, uh, you know you have to you have to you know read up enough about the company uh, to know that there will be sort of a catalyst down the line that will sort of um, uh, improve, the company will improve down the line, right? Right. Uh, many of these companies were emerging from bankruptcy. Their debt was being restructured. Assets were being sold off, and you know, eventually they, they came out of uh, bankruptcy with a, you know, with a better, um, more solvent, uh, mm-hmm. with higher quality assets, less debt. Um, so that, that's something uh, I look for, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess it's it's you know the, the principles apply now with 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 these laundromats, right? You have the we're buying laundromats that used to be generating you know, 50% more revenue pre-COVID, right? So you have these uh, laundromats that are still profitable today, right? But no one is looking at, no one is looking at, no one wants to invest in, in mm-hmm. brick and mortar businesses, you know, in the States, in the Philippines, in Kenya, you know, it's it's not attractive, it's not sexy. Um, right. So the metrics are good, fundamentals are good. Uh, these assets are considered, right, distressed, right? Because no yep. one wants to uh, touch them with a barge pole. Um, so that's where we come in and consolidate, 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 uh, yep. one laundromat at a time. But again, this is similar to nightlife, right? So if you're t- working with night club owners who think they're they're the they're the <laughs> the best entrepreneurs out there, most of these laundromats that you're talking to eventually are mom and pop, and with mom and pop owners of businesses they have that sentimental attachment to whatever they they put forth how do you navigate those waters because especially if you identify that ah okay this is a good business right um but how do you get them to say yes eventually if it's something sentimental to them and they're so used to running it like a mom and pop Hmm. that's that's a great question we found we've actually found that a lot of people uh, who are actually buying these laundromats for have a, a few businesses right so Okay. They're not as emotionally attached to one. Nice. Um, so yeah, we just you know we're, we're not no no BS straightforward. If we like the if we like the, the the business, we're gonna buy it and we make pretty pretty quick offers, right? Once we have once they send over the financials, we can sort of have a pretty good idea mm-hmm. of uh, you know the historics, uh, you know possibly future performance margins, et, et cetera, et cetera, and we can take a look at you know where can we actually improve this laundromat right can we cut down on labor can we can we maybe mm. sell a couple of machines um you know are they overpaying for utilities you know how can we manage this and that wow um so yeah usually it's it's you know 
entrepreneurs that have a few other businesses. So there's, there's not as much emotional attachment to, to that laundry business. Um, so yeah, once we, once they sent over the financials, we, we make uh, an offer within 24 hours. So we're, we're wow, perfect. that's fast. Oh God. This, they'll be like, what? If I'm, I was a laundromat owner, they're like, wow, 24 hours. These guys are serious. Right. Yeah. Um, and last question before we take our last break. So you, you do that. And are these typically like franchises? Cause I see a lot of laundromats. So again, I am a, I'm a user myself. I, <laughs> I, I, I hope you I use weekly now. Huh? <laughs> yes. Um, definitely. When I go back to Manila, I'm, I'm not situated in Manila and I have people doing laundry, but definitely when I go back, uh, cause during the pandemic, I, I moved out to the, uh, outskirts because it's safer right. for my family, but yeah. more than anything, um, a lot of these laundromats that I see in the metro, at least, are franchises, and that gets complicated over time because eventually, if you're, you're going to be under We Clean, right? It's 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 going to be tough to change that branding. I don't know that what the dynamic would be, but are those one-offs or are these like part of franchise that we're talking about? Actually, our biggest competitors are all franchises. You know, Got it. Um, we decided early on, Ron, that you know, if we were if we were going to spend the time running a business, mm-hmm. we might we might as well run it ourselves, right? Got so, it. what's the point of having a franchisee, you know, receiving I don't know three hundred thousand pesos as franchisee fee, mm-hmm. but I can make that money running that laundromat if it's successful in three to four months, right? Makes sense. Uh, again, we're we're long term investors. Um, yeah, you know, and Long haul. the only the, one of the main problems with having franchisees is you know something happens right, and it's on you, the franchisor. You know, the franchisee right. can be the you know the most incompetent businessman or businesswoman <laughs> on, in the Philippines, but yeah. if something happens, it's going to be your fault, right? Yeah. So if something is going to happen, you might as well be be the one receiving. You know, might as well be the one collecting uh, the profits uh, every day, right? Makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, that's that's why we're actually the, we're the biggest. We have the biggest uh, branch footprint in the Philippines, and our competitors are all franchisees, right? Um, so I think it's 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 a business model that's poised for success because it hasn't been done at this scale in the Philippines. Um, yeah, and I be- I'm a firm believer of consolidation because again, I I love SMBs, but if you're trying to scale and if you're trying to make everything uniform, you have to run something. On a formula right. that's re- replicatable and uh, repeatable across the board, and it doesn't matter where the location would be. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Now let's take our first break, and when we come back, I now want to dissect deeper into your labada, and to now okay. understand how you guys run the business and wow, how did you raise nine hundred thousand dollars for everybody who's running franchises and your labandera and whatnot? <laughs> well, let's talk about that more after the break. 
up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Ignacio Falan again of uh, We Clean, your COO. But I just want to make sure, did I butcher your last name? Because <laughs> again, I it's, said uh, that. A bit. Oh, okay. How do it's you okay. It's fail, how do... Failing. Failing. God, yeah, my bad. No worries, Ron. There you go. No Failing. I will make sure that I do not embarrass myself again. So, I'm not okay. sure what I want to understand now is again, you, you gave us already a very good idea of how you process and how you technically scale, but I'll make this a little bit more personal. So, no. you came from nightlife, fundamentals are dope. You develop grit, which again, nightlife gives you, right? And now you can um, apply it into a business. But why the Philippines all of a sudden? Because you were in Boston. That's yeah. like the, the epicenter of technology. Cambridge is there. All the MIT yeah. graduates are there. And that's in the East Coast. Majority of the people that ever typically go here in the West Coast and they just cross the Pacific for some reason. Well, you're in the East Coast. What's in the Philippines that you saw? And why did you choose to solve the problem of laundry of all the problems that you have here? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, more than, I mean, I've always been interested in uh, Southeast Asia as a region. Uh, I had never actually been here before. No um, way. Wow. And again, yeah. And uh, I think that's, it's one of the main regions in the world, if not the main region where, it, you know, that's going to drive global GDP growth in the next 30 years. Uh, Demographic, you know, it's, it's a great macro play. Population is young, economy is growing. Um, people are adopting technology, uh, you know, extremely fast. Everyone has a smartphone. Um, so I think it was an ex- in a very exciting opportunity to actually, you know, you know roll up my sleeves move to a different country and, and scale a business that is actually highly scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when you got here, was there, what's the network like? Because again, I've got, of course you, you, you now know Carlos, right? But mm. again, it's going to be what all the d- directions point towards us. If you look at the Google Temasek review of Southeast Asia last year, we're the fastest growing digital economy in the, in the, in the region, right? Yeah. So all points yeah. towards that there's so much opportunity and the ecosystem also is booming. There are now Filipino local startups that are race series B and there's a lot of sunicorns that are going to come out out of yeah. this country, right? And it's just a matter of time. But coming in, again, you've never been to this place. You have no idea. I guess the Spanish influence uh, <laughs> of how we do things helps a little bit, right? Yeah. But what were the biggest adjustments and what are the things that you had to go through on a personal note as a founder that you came in here and you found challenging, especially during the pandemic? Yeah, great, great question. I, I think what I found most challenging is, you know, having worked in the States, uh, both running, helping to run my nightlife business. And I also had internships in the States. I also had an internship in Switzerland and another one in Germany. I came from, you know, business culture. that was very direct, no bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, say it, say it as it is, yep. uh, you know, feelings. I, I don't really care about your feelings. I just want you to do a good job. I came into the Philippines. We're actually sugar coat, bro. That's what, how they do sugar <laughs> coat, everything. Make sure that, you know, oh, someone gosh. does not get offended with what you say. <laughs> I was a bit hard getting used to, you know, cause yeah. I was accustomed to, you know, people shouting, you know, telling ah, oh, you could do a better job at this, this, and this. Yep. Um, so that that was a bit hard getting used to. Um, but I get, I mean, I get again, I'm a, I'm a sponge, and one has to adapt to wherever uh, you are. So, mm. um, so I think that that was by far the hardest. You know. Got it. But why laundry? Why? Why? Again, this has been an age-old problem for the long for the longest time that Filipinos exist during again Spanish mm. colonial times, American times. 
this is something that we typically outsource already. There is a profession mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, always it's called the lavandera, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who is just come in and take your shit for a couple of, uh, take your dirty laundry, a couple of things, and they wash it and they hang it. And then, then that's it. But again, and then there's always laundries, but again, they're super hyper-fragmented, mom and pop, and like what I said. What yeah. opportunity do you see more than it's a cash business? So I'm looking at this at the lens of a Marty Bird Ozarks. I don't know if you yeah. <laughs> watched that, yeah, yeah, that series. Yeah, I've seen a TV show, yeah. Right, like, oh, man, this is a, this is a cash business, and it's, it's, it's yeah. easy to run. Um, what did you see in this problem that you can easily swoop in and scale this fast? Great question. Um, I think very simple. You know, as you were saying, a lot of a lot of these businesses are mom and pop shops. They're not really that professionally managed. It's more of a sort of side hustle some entrepreneurs have. So, you know, there hasn't been a large player in the Philippines, right? So we want to be that large player. And we already are that large player. Yeah. So if, you know, we come in, find these mom and pops, consolidate them under one corporate umbrella, and we can actually offer a better service, right? Have nicer stores, nicer stores that are cleaner, offer additional services like uh, a water vending machine, a uh, bills payment terminal, uh, free Wi-Fi, things like that, a wow. TV with, and if we actually, oh, that's what we're doing. If we can have, you know, say 300, 400 branches, you know, completely standard, like a Jollibee, right? And people know that regardless of what branch they're going to go to, they're going to get the same exact service, right? And that is something they can't say if, you know, they go from one mom and pop shop to another. So if we can actually accomplish that, and that is actually what we're aiming to do, mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, a lot of lot of possibility to, to grow this business in the mid to long, long run. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, the margins are good, right? I'm pretty sure. And um, the biggest question in my mind right now is that typically the old-fashioned way of doing things here in the philippines is again you franchise it you kind of standardize it but even though you standardize it through a franchise model there's always deviation of okay that some franchisee will deviate from the flow and try to sell some snacks on the side (laughs) you know won't follow i'm on an operational level that's what I want to find out. How do you standardize this across the board? And especially if it's coming from a corporate structure, that needs a lot of training and a lot of handholding, given also that if you're trying to make sure that margins are good and you're trying to cut costs, the type of people you're going to hire aren't going to be the most educated people on the, on the planet or in the country as well. Yeah. But for you to sustain that profitability and again, that same formula across the board must be operationally difficult. What did you guys do on that point? You're absolutely right. It's operational, operationally very heavy, right? Each laundromat operates as, a, as its own sort of little business, mm-hmm. uh, even though, you know, it, it operates in the one structure. Uh, and yes, dealing with, you know, dealing with people, especially, you know, it's a cash business. So we've had, uh, you know, moments in the past where we've caught em- employees stealing. And as you were saying, um, you know, empl- our employees, um, you know, are not the most sophisticated people, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some pe- some of the people who've stolen have had, you know, family problems. They were tight. Yep. You know, you had to you know, provide more, et cetera, et cetera. Bale. So, did you learn? They learned the word "bale" already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll advance from you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, I mean, we've again, it's it's uh, you, you filter you filter these things out, right? At the end of the day, you're you're happy they happen because they help you improve, mm-hmm. and that's what we've done. You know, we've sort of filtered out. We've stuck with the good employees, and um, you know, once you know, we we sort of um, yeah have a, a good employee base, and you know, they provide a good service. We can actually mm-hmm. train them, uh, and you know, it it pays out in in, in colors. So, yeah. got it. Now on on the. All of this will not work if you don't have a good tech infra. And that's what I want to talk about, right? Because all of this shit, if you do this manually, there's just no way you're going to be able to scale this fast. Talk, yeah. talk, to, talk about what, what you guys did on the operational tech ecos, uh, infrastructure for you to scale this fast. Because again, I've seen this happen with Andrew and Gidwork. Change the whole yeah. dynamic and how he, she, he does the, the, the cleaning, uh, on-demand cleaning. Flower store yeah. the same. It's, it's it's in plain sight 
people have seen this problem for a long time and nobody freaking solved anything. But there's something they did at the back that allowed it to scale fast. What was that for you guys? So for, for us, it was actually two things. One, installing uh, sort of point of sale systems in all of our branches that could sort of help us control pilferage. Uh, the sales, so these POS systems are directly linked to the machine. So if an order is not correctly inputted through the POS, the machine cannot run, right? Got so, it. So uh, that helps us, right, mm. uh, control pilferage, uh, you know? And then uh, second is actually to hire hire good people. Um, so we have, you know, six branch managers who are absolutely fantastic. They do a great job and they're sort of our our ears, uh, our eyes and ears at the at the ground level, right? Because even though I try to visit maybe six or seven branches a day, I can't I can't cover the whole of Metro yep. Manila in a day, right? I take a week, maybe almost mm. 10 days. Uh, so actually hiring good people, incentivizing them, uh, make them making them feel part of something bigger, giving them responsibility. Uh, and you know, especially learning how to delegate. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And again, I'd say it's probably the worst analogy, but you kind of have to run it like a cartel. You, know? <laughs> you have no. to have the right eyes and ears on the ground to make sure that no. nobody snitches, everybody's trying running it the right way, because if not, right. things deviate. But of course, the, 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 the cartel, it runs on a proper uh, economic uh, or technology backbone, which is, again, you go direct to the machine or the, so that there's no pilferage. Or to right. make it more common. So if you're like, what is pilferage? Nobody steals shit. There's no yeah, knockout. That's, okay. That's yeah. right. Nobody yeah. pockets money there. But I now want to understand, uh, Ignacio, how profitable are laundry businesses? Because if, for example, somebody's listening to this now and they're like, what the fuck am I doing with a laundry business? I'm I'm making ends meet, but whatever. And yeah. maybe it's time to like you know, join Week Clean or whatnot. What, what? How good can a properly run um, business of laundry can be? Again, because it's a cash right. business, right? And it's something that you do on routine. Everybody will wear dirty shit. You do it on the regular, yeah. right? Every community needs it. But again, not everybody's doing it the proper way. How? What yeah. are? What are the numbers like? Uh, without getting into specifics, yes, please. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I can sort of delve into. Uh, I, can, I can sort of delve into, into it a bit. Mm. Um, the key is right location, location, location. Uh, yep. We've we found that the best locations are actually in C to D residential markets. Uh, right, people who are mid, middle to working class to middle class in the Philippines. Yep. You know, people who make between you know, the equivalent of 200 to $300 a month. Okay. Uh, and people cannot actually afford a laundry, a laundry uh, machine, right? Who can't actually spend $500, right? Or 25,000 pesos on a laundry machine. Yep. And, uh, and more than that, it's, it's also the utility costs attached to owning a laundry machine, right? We all know that electricity is extremely uh, expensive in the Philippines. Shout out to Morocco. Um, monopoly of the game right there. <laughs> yeah so it's, it's it's also extremely expensive to, to actually have one and run it on a daily basis and yeah. you know filipino families tend to be pretty big so imagine if they had one one uh laundry machine uh you know they, they'd be running it uh, you know 24 7 every day for the entire uh, week so it's it's better that those costs quote unquote are passed on to us and we charge for that service um Regarding uh, margins, I think it's it's very simple, right? If location is good, top line is going to be very good, mm. and you can keep OPEX, right? Operating expenses at a minimum, not at a minimum, but operate. We found out that operating expenses from, say, a laundromat that generates a hundred thousand pesos in sales a month, is very similar, right, to OPEX of a laundromat that does two hundred fifty thousand, right? Maybe that one hundred fifty thousand jump in sales. OPEX goes up maybe 15, 20%, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where uh, that's where the real money is, right? Because yeah. utility, utilities go up a bit, rent is still the same, and labor is is almost still the same. Um, so that's the key, you know, laundromats that can actually generate over 200,000 uh, pesos a month in sales. 
because um, OPEX is maybe 80,000, 90,000 yep. max. That's $5,000 already. And if you, you have four of that, that's, you know, that's already a pretty good sum yeah. that, uh, so ima can... imagine if you have 500 or a thousand of those. <laughs> exactly. And again, those are cash cows that you have across the country, yeah. but there's other, another thing that I'm very, very particular about. And I am a victim of this. I, I have this behavior. I have a go-to laundry cleaning, I guess, because they, they clean my underwear, right? They fold my shit, mm. right? It smells good. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But on the, on the customer side, how do you, because again, if you have demand or you have supply, you got to develop demand at the same time as that. Mm. How do you then turn new customers to try you guys out in a very competitive market where typically the mom and pop will just undercut you on pricing? How did you yeah. capture that demand? Mm -hmm. uh, regarding pricing, uh, we can we actually offer lower pricing than mom and pop, right? We're, wow. more, we're a more efficient operation and we can actually afford to maybe, you know, first two months of operation, if we open a branch organically, we can, you know, look at all the branches around our area, undercut them in pricing, and then, you know, maybe one of them relocates, another one shuts down, and then we wow. can actually increase prices a bit. Nice. Um, but yeah, again, it's cheap pricing and a very good service. It's good standardized service. That's I think that's that's our key. That's our magic recipe. And as long as we keep doing that and making sure that our service is good and our pricing is very competitive, uh, you know, we will be able to attract a lot of Filipinos. Because I mean, Ron, as you know, uh, Filipinos, you know, would rather save five pesos here and wait for <laughs> I don't know thirty minutes. Yes, I actually have to pay more money for for something, right? Yep. Uh, Filipinos are very price conscious, especially uh, our target market, right? C and D. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. That extra five pesos can can be whatever. Oh, it's uh, a game merienda it's a game already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a game changer. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. Now, on on the premise of providing great service, and again, I'll go back to nightlife. We're freaking used to it. We're hardwired to give. Yeah. great service yes again you can only do so much with great technology but if you if the, the 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 staff or the team is not prepared to give amazing service everything will be inconsistent across the board how do you train your right. people to make sure that every the experience is standardized across again 67 now am i correct 67 um, yeah. 63, 63 63 63 across the board as we record this most likely when we go live, there's more now. But how do you standardize that service that you're talking about that's top-notch? Right. So um, great, great question. We we actually believe in, you know, um, hiring people from... So let, let's say we open a laundromat in, in uh, Manila, right? Old Manila. Yeah. We're actually big believers in hiring people from that area, right? Mm, uh, again, they will be... Exactly. They will know what the community needs. They will actually... You know, know uh, their customers by name. Some of them, uh, they will be more in touch of the needs and the wants and uh, of, of of that community specifically. And what we use, what we do is we hire people from. from you know, we try to find the best people that can actually run uh, laundry, mm -hmm. and then we sort of match them for two to three weeks with our more, most experienced employees who've been with us, you know, for over five years. So wow. they're able to sort of learn from the most experienced employees, uh, you know, how to fold correctly, how to operate machines uh, efficiently, how to sort of have a or one of the, the laundries, you know, uh, clean and tidy and everything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they can take, take in that knowledge, taking that experience and then apply it to their own community. Right. Uh, so amazing. I think that's, 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 that's a great, also a great recipe for success. That is amazing. All right. Now, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how you guys did all this and ran and raised $900,000 in follow-on funding from local and foreign investors. We'll talk about that more after the break. 
Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Ignacio. Failing. There you go. I did not fail you anymore. I I did not for sure. That was spot on. That was spot on. There you go. I just need to make sure that I got I got the pronunciation right. But Ignacio, yeah. I want to understand right so through all of these things. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. They're pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure you you ran across very difficult um, challenges you had through. Can you talk about what those very difficult challenges you, you went through and how did you solve them? 
Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think one of our main challenges uh, starting out was during uh, maybe June, July, we actually, uh, you know, pitched uh, our concept to, you know, a lot of VCs, you know, Singapore, Philippines, some in uh, Europe, some in actually in the States. Okay. And they were all like, yeah, we love the business. Uh, you know, you have a great management team. You guys seem ambitious. You guys seem to know what you're doing. But again, you know, we, we don't invest in, in, in retail. And we were like, mm-hmm. yes, but we have, we're going to develop an app. Why not? And they were like, no. So we actually got, you know, had countless calls with VCs and they were like, oh, you know, maybe when you, you know, have a bit, you know, when you have, you know, over 50 shops, we can talk again. But back then we only had like nine or 10. Got so it. we actually were turned down but by a lot of investors. Um, mm-hmm. But once we were able to secure funding from an institutional investor, uh, sort of the things started to fall into place and the fundraising uh, process was, was way more, uh, was way simpler. And if, if I may add on to that, um, we're also uh, developing developing an app prototype for our pickup and delivery service. Yep. Uh, and now that we've expanded into A and B markets with our most recent acquisition, mm. um, we're sort of trying to, uh, you know, we, we think there's great opportunity in, in that market as well. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we should have uh, our app rolled out by maybe February, March next year. Uh, That's so that will you know offer people in BGC, Makati, Ortigas, Quezon City, uh, you know the opportunity of you know pressing you know going into the our app, uh, and with three or four clicks they can you know we can actually send a rider to pick up the clothes, take take the clothes to one of our branches, and then have it delivered all within twenty four hours. That's amazing. And again, that those are the markets that are not price conscious, who will pay for convenience right. Right. and are very tech savvy to actually understand. Right. right. Here you go. My dirty clothes. I don't have to go through that. Bye. And just give it back when it's all fine and dandy and smells good. Those are the most amazing yeah. thing. Now, I, I'll just dig in deeper a little bit on the right. fundraising side. Because similarly in Podcast Network Asia, we were also in the same boat for, for a while because people thought that, ah, are you an agency and whatnot? But we're tech in, in enabled always. And at the core of what we do is analytics and tech enablement. It just doesn't look like that because yeah. we aggregate or we consolidate podcasts as well, which is not tech oh, driven. Nice. But what we do is, again, we help podcasts scale through a SaaS platform called Pod Machine, mm-hmm. where again, just like just like weekly, you give us your podcast, you give us your raw file. After 48 hours, it's ready to be a podcast. It's basically Ooh. the weekly in a podcast. And then we Ooh. have a, a pod metrics, which is the monetization piece. But again, it's so hard to convince investors that you are something different if, if again people see it in a different lens. Yeah. And in reality, you only need one to really make all the dominoes fall because it's a Mexican standoff all the time. Everybody has their guns, their yeah. finger on their guns, but nobody <laughs> wants to fire the first bullet. Yeah. What made you take or, or make the first check or first domino fall? Because that's sometimes what it takes. And who, who, who cuts the first check also matters because everybody else follows suit and plays by Viper exactly. on, on, that, on yeah. that point. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, investors are like penguins, right? One, once <laughs> one of them jumps into the water, they all fall. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so how did you get um, their yeah. first penguin? So uh, we actually uh, reached out to VC that we knew, you know, the, the, the guy running it. We uh, Alfonso, the CEO and one of my partners actually knew personally. Okay. And this guy also, apart from investing in tech, in tech companies, he also invests in, you know, more traditional businesses. So he loved the, he loved the idea. He was like, yeah, you know, margins are great. It's highly scalable. The team is great. You have a proof, you have a proof of concept and you guys just need to scale it up. So he was actually the first one to cut us a check. And after that, uh, it was way, way easier to raise money. So um, we, we booked uh, this, this VC back in August, right? He invested. I'm not going to say the number, but he invested uh, back in late August. Mm-hmm. And we also were able to secure financing from uh, uh, Peruvian, uh, oh, wow. South American and Peruvian investors. Yeah. Wow. Um, and this was in August. And then um, now we raised, you know, 
close to a million bucks. And yeah. it was from, you know, some couple family offices and also institutional investors uh, in, in the Philippines. Um, nice. So, yeah, I think, Ron, just, just, just uh, you know, drive a point is, uh, I think, you know, in the current market environment, people are, especially in emerging markets, are over, overlooking uh, traditional businesses, right? Yeah. Traditional businesses, again, can be highly scalable, highly profitable, uh, especially in emerging markets, right? right. Uh, you know, look at Jollibee's. You know, Jollibee's is a brick and mortar business. Not going it's anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But it's, but it was scaled, uh, you know, up to 5,000 locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity in more traditional businesses and especially traditional businesses that are tech enabled, right? So right. we're able to, again, provide a service, have a massive branch footprint throughout the Philippines and offer an app for more of our high end customers. I think, you know, we, we should be on the money with that. I totally agree. And again, it doesn't have to be falling into the buzzword category of metaverse exactly. or crypto or play to earn. I mean, those are great. And those are, uh, are amazing businesses, especially what we've been able to do. But proven businesses like this, or again, who's just been hiding in plain sight, who would have thought that you can scale this fast, this quick? Right. I mean, yeah. this, this, this soon, sorry, this fast, this quick, that, that makes the same thing. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's amazing because, again, it's plain sight and a lot of it's just been there forever. But again, you come in, swoop right in and again, blow everything out of the water, literally and figuratively, because you need a lot of water in, in making a lot of laundry. Now, Ignacio, I want to dig in and, and pay it forward to our uh, founders uh, here. And one thing about uh, your journey as well uh, as, a, as an expat coming into the Philippines again, it's just getting uh, foresight. And again, having to experience and you have to change. But if there are other expat founders also who's wanting to follow the footsteps of what you have done, what would be the best advice that you'd be giving to expat founders who are coming into the Philippines, uh, especially if they haven't gone here same way you did? Yeah. I think what I would tell them is to be patient, right? First year or two are going to be a absolute bitch, right? They're going to have to get accustomed <laughs> to, to how things run in the Philippines. They're going to have to, you know, just things like, uh, you know, asking for online banking at, at one of the Filipino banks is going to probably take a month yep. to, to expedite, right? When in the States, it takes, you know, three business days. And we think it's, you know, the most normal thing in the world. Yep. I think patience and also being very resilient. Uh, the bad days are very bad. But the good days are also very good, right? Um, and, you know, for, for expats, especially if they come from, you know, Europe or the States, uh, to be very patient, uh, to not, to try to, you know, to try to adapt to how Filipinos uh, do things. Mm. Um, and especially, as, again, as, as I said, they have to be very patient, extremely mm. patient. That's a quality that pays off, uh, you know, down the line. Absolutely. Now, in terms of operations, let's just pay it forward to any founders. Yeah. Because again, one thing about uh, laundry is you have to be cash flow efficient. Also, yeah. what do you what what do, what would be your advice, especially in managing cash flow? Because not all startups actually have have cash flow. Most of them, again, if they're chasing growth, that's going to be a burning thing. But for you, for this type of business. You, you can't chase growth and put um, revenues to the side. It has to be in parallel because that's also the main metric that matters as well. And you need to be very savvy with how you manage cash flow. What would be your advice in getting that done? Depends on what your um, goal is uh, as a business, right? If you want to sort of milk the cash flows out of the business, then I guess, uh, you know, for example, having a, a POS is a great way to, to reduce pilferage and making sure that every peso is accounted for. Uh, but for example, us, how we manage cash flow is we reinvest, we reinvest, we reinvest, right? Uh, we don't plan on paying out a dividend. Uh, we plan on, you know, both raising capital and reinvesting cash flows. Uh, to sort of keep fueling our growth. Um, and yeah, as, as you said, managing cash flow is, is absolutely key, absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. But it all depends on, on what your goals are uh, as, as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all right. Now, I'm curious, Ken, you've painted us what you've already done and what yeah. uh, 
what your again what what that looks like in in the end but what's the overall goal um now because again if you're trying to scale this fast there must be a grand overall north star or a utopian future that you're, you're you have in your head what's that overall goal like i think that overall goal looks like uh, you know 400 to 500 branches in in, in the next three years um, wow. we found out ron that you know, this is this is a crazy statistic. Mm. We wash the clothes for around twenty thousand to twenty-five thousand people uh, a month. What? Right? And probably, you know, our total addressable market in Metro Manila is you know ten to eleven million people, right? So there's wow. still room, a lot of just a fraction, still a lot of room for growth. And yeah. also, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, there were five thousand laundromats, around five thousand. Now they're currently 3,500. So 1,500 have actually shut down. So, mm. you know, as we wait, you know, who knows if it's going to be next year in two years, three years, as that demand keeps increasing, we want to fill that 1.5K branch void. Uh, uh, and we want to be able to seize that demand. So if we're able to, you know, you know open organically mm. and keep closing these accretive deals, then I think, you know, we're, we're, we're in a, we will be in a very good position to, to have 400 to 500 branches by 2025. That is fucking amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> not sure. But before I let you go, please invite people over if they are now convinced that they have dirty clothes <laughs> or they want to be part of your team or whatever. Please invite people over to try Week Lean and where can they find you and how do they do that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, just look at, uh, if you want to look at Week Lean, um, just go into Google Maps, uh, type in Week Lean, look at the closest branch, and uh, we'll make sure you we'll, we give you a very good service at a very cheap price. And once you know you try out our service, uh, you won't you, you won't uh, go to our competitors or, or switch service. There you go. And again, thank you very much, Ignacio. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you are listening to. And again, if you also see that there's a star rating in that app that you're using, please give us a five star. It would help us get discovered more by more entrepreneurs and hustlers out there. And if we did say some jargon, don't worry, it's going to be the Hustle Share community on uh, Facebook. And lastly, if we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. If you want to be also part of the Hustle Share community, it's going to be on the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Again, Ignacio, thank you very much. Thanks to Million Rod for having me. It was great fun and, and great fun getting to talk to you and uh, and finally being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Look out for my laundry. And again, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.